Good morning, Sarepta. We're continuing to pitch our tents in Hopeland today. And um, I'm not going to move on to the fourth tent peg. We've been speaking about three of the tent pegs that hold our tent in this land called hope. The first one was the sovereignty of God. The second was the presence of God. The third one was the love of God, which I spoke about last week. And I want to stay on that subject for a little while longer. Um, I was thinking during the week about a moment in the, um, in, the, in the life of Jesus when he had sent the twelve out um, on their first kind of test run uh, doing, the, doing the kingdom, taking the, the power of the gospel out to the villages of Israel. And when they came back and reported to him about how they had seen demons fleeing and seen people healed, uh, it says about Jesus that he rejoiced. That's the word that is used. The, the word is much more expressive than just saying rejoice. It actually means to jump for joy. It means to be uh, outrageously happy. It means to express that joy in an exuberant way. And it says this, it says of Jesus, uh, he rejoiced because he said, I thank you, Father, that you have hidden these things from the wise but you have revealed it to children, to babies. And by babies, he meant his 12 guys that he had just seen uh, doing their first mission. It reminded me a little bit of the text that we've been talking about, Romans uh, 5, verses 4 and 5, which talks about endurance producing character, character producing hope. And then it says this, and hope, will not disappoint us, because as we hope, the love of God is shed abroad, is poured out into, it saturates our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Every time we express potential, every time we see potential, every time we see potential becoming realized, our hope for the ultimate outcome increases. There is a sense of what love is all about. Love is the investment of, of uh, capacity in another human being for their good, for their eventual, out, the good outcome of their lives. When we, believe, when we believe, when we love somebody, we believe in their best. We believe that they are going to become everything that we hope they will become. When, when we say of God, Lord, I believe your word about me. I believe your promises toward me. He pours out his love in us and he says, I'm agreeing with you. I, I say the amen to that, to that little bit of faith, that prayer that you are exercising. And of course, it works the other way around as well. The more we love, the more we hope. The more we hope, the more we love. That's really what the text is saying. So I was drawn to um, looking a little more deeply into this matter of the love of God. And of course, the wonderful text, the great text that unpacks that for us is First John. I'm going to read in reverse order 
First of all from chapter 4 and second of all from chapter 3. Here is 1 John chapter 4 verse 7 and you'll see that I'm moving from the vertical element of the love of God, the love that comes to us from God and the love that we express from our, from our hearts to God, as well as now the the horizontal, the love that we express to one another, which is an, an, a reflection of that love of God that has been poured out into our hearts. So here's how John, the great apostle of love, talks about it. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love in this way does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. You see the connection there. The sending, the love and the sending had an outcome in mind that we might might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us and his love has been made complete in us. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence in the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or a sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. And then chapter 3 from verse 10, which had introduced the subject earlier in the book. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother and sister. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions And in truth. Now, I introduced this subject of the nature of love to you last week, and I'm sure, in fact, that wasn't news to you. You know that when John is talking about love here, he is talking about a particular kind of love. He's talking about a quality, a a character of love that is unique. Uh, specifically unique to the nature of God himself. 
33 times in those 18 verses that I've just read to you, the word love is used. Uh, And then not only is it used, but it is unpacked. It seems as if the subject is quite important. It seems as if God is quite serious that we should get this, because in getting this and in being this and in expressing this, we express that full potential for which he has saved us. And every time we get it and we express it between one another, he dances another jig. He is once again uh, exuberant in his joy because he's going, they're getting it, they're getting it. Jesus, of course, told us, these are texts that I mentioned to you last week in John 13, 33 and 34. He was saying not only that we uh, fulfill our relationship with him by loving one another, by this you demonstrate that you are my disciples, but he also says by this the world sees that you are my disciples. In other words, our mission, our evangelistic purpose is qualified by the fact that we love one another. Uh, you know how often Christians do this. We, we go, don't look at us, look at Jesus. And Jesus is going, don't look at me, look at them. When you see them, you will find out how real I am. When you see how they love one another, what will become apparent to you is that I really was sent by the Father. There is something unusual, there is something different about these people. And that something different is that the love of God is being shed abroad in their hearts. First uh, Corinthians 13, of course, talks about the fact that we can do all kinds of things. We can give our bodies to be burned. We can, we can live for missions. We can, be, we can speak in tongues. We can prophesy. We can have faith that moves mountains. But if we don't do that in and through the quality of love that God is talking about, it's all in these people. It's all actually nothing. It's just pretense. And so we're called, as Paul says it in another place in Ephesians, to live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself for us. Now, there's a lot of nonsense going on concerning this question of the love of God. There's been a very strong emphasis, and, and maybe it's a good, in some ways, a good recovery of the centrality of the love of God to the gospel. But for some people, that's all the gospel is. The gospel is just, God loves you. God loves you no matter what. Uh, God loves you, and it doesn't matter what you do, and it doesn't matter what you even believe. It, it's, it's moved, it has moved now from from believing in a God who loves to a God who doesn't care if you love him back. And the outcome of that is a thing we call universalism. There is a lot of sentimentality. Hollywood has done an amazing job of giving us the idea that all roads lead to God, that it doesn't really matter what you believe and how you live, that as soon as you, you know, that person who has just murdered 5,000 people, as soon as that person dies, uh, we'll see them again because they've now gone to heaven. There are a lot of false teachings around that go, because God is love, there is no punishment. Because God is love, there can be no hell, no judgment. 
and to suggest that God the Father punished his son for our sins, that the that the chastisement that brings us peace was laid upon him, that that is really a thing they call divine child abuse. What it really is, is it's telling us how serious God is about not only the love that he feels toward us, but the outcome of that love in changing us. God loves you just as you are, but he loves you too much to leave you just as you are. Hold that thought as we look a little bit more in depth at these verses. I think we need to let God explain for himself what he means when he says, I love you. This is what he means. First of all, notice the essentiality of this love. Last week I told you to do that little exercise that I've done before of feeling your pulse, of going, am I alive? Is my heart beating? Is there a pulse there? And that's really what John is doing in these texts when he talks about this. He says, here's how to take your pulse. Here's how to find out if you really are alive in God, if you really have been born again. Do you love? Do you love your brother and sister? The horizontal is proof of the vertical. The, 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 the fact that I, that I am expressing the same, I'm reflecting the same kind of love to others that God has shown toward me is evidence that I actually am his child, that I carry his DNA. And so anyone who does not love says John, remains in death. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. I think I've shared it before at Sarepta, but um, for me, this was a particularly important and powerful thing in my, in my faith story, in my journey to faith out of atheism, where I had, um, I had, Prayed the the uh, prayer uh, the prayer of the um, of the desperate atheist that goes like this: God, I don't believe in you, but if you are there, show yourself, reveal yourself to me. And God not only revealed Himself to me, but He demonstrated that it was Him by the way He changed my my nature on the horizontal level, where I had been a deeply bitter. Uh, a racist, where I had been a person who despised other human beings, a person who was, as I've said before, wanting to become a vet because the more I saw of people, the better I liked dogs. Um, the, the, um, the, 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 the difference that Jesus made, the, the morning after I prayed that prayer, was this, that as I looked out of my window at people, that were walking past. I was on the first floor of, a, of the YMCA, and as I looked out of the window, I saw people walking past. I had fallen in love with them, and I didn't do that. I didn't, I didn't pray that prayer. I didn't ask for that to happen. But there was something inside me that had changed intrinsically and spontaneously and by a power that was not mine uh, that convinced me God is real. Um, 
Now, that is, that is my story, and I'm sure that all of you have stories like that, of how different your view of others is because Jesus becomes your eyes. Jesus becomes your heartbeat. Jesus becomes your sense of not only purpose, but of capacity to embrace um, everyone around you. Notice, secondly, the nature of this love. It is, it is a love that is intrinsic to God. It, when, when, when John describes that, he says it like this, Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. My friend Juan Carlos Ortiz, when he was with us in the 1980s, uh, gave, made this um, amazing um, observation. He said, love is not an optional extra to the Christian life. Love is the Christian life. And that really is what John is saying in this text. He, he is saying that when you stop and think about yourself, am I, am I today following Jesus? Am I expressing the Christ that is within me? One of the ways that you can know that is, are you demonstrating love? Are you being love in the way that you interact with other human beings? We'll talk in a moment about some of the ways that we um, understand that love. But the question is, uh, are we stopping ourselves from just reacting the way we are? Because what John is saying here is, as he is, so we are becoming in this world. That is our hope. Our hope is I'm changing every day. I'm changing into more and more of an expression of this character of God, which is uh, held and represented in Jesus. And not only Jesus in heaven, but Jesus Christ in us, the hope of glory. The, the other thing that we need to know about this love is that we are not originators. We, 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 don't, we are not the source of that love. We are not, as I've mentioned before, we are not stars in a galaxy. We are planets that revolve around the sun and, or around the stars. And thus we are being, um, we are reflecting a light that is not, that doesn't come from us. Notice thirdly the action orientation of this love. Uh, this love is not a sentiment, although it does include sentiment. It is not primarily a, um, even a decision of the will. It is, an, it is a series of actions, a de decisions that result in action. It says this about the love of God. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world. And so as I read that whole passage that I read to you earlier, I find these words, these verbs that come up. He showed, he gave, he sent. Other places like Jeremiah 31 verse 3 says, I have loved you with an everlasting love, therefore with loving kindness I have drawn you. He draws, he he, 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 he writes his laws in our hearts. He builds us. He, he uh, saves us. He redeems. He intervenes. He protects. All of these are demonstration of the 
fact that God is love. And once again, for us, as we take our pulse, as we measure how we are doing in regard to uh, living this life of love just as Christ loved us, we, we, our question needs to be, as John says here, are you giving? Are you uh, intervening? Are you looking for change in the lives of the people that you love? Are you speaking to their, speaking truth to them so that uh, change can happen? It's, it's not enough to just say, well, you know, we shouldn't judge and so we should just kind of back off and let people be who they are and tell them God loves you anyway. We need to say, God loves you and by the way, He's about to change you. If you will receive Jesus, you will be born again and it's going to change you. Are you ready for that? Are you ready for being under new management? Because that's really what this love is, um, is wanting to produce in your life. So notice, fourthly, the effectiveness of this love. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be an atoning sacrifice. To be, uh, to be someone who paid the price, who did the job, who changed history. Uh, not only history in general, but our individual history. So once again, as I said earlier, uh, God loves you just as you are, but he loves you too much to leave you just as you are. He sent his son as an atoning sacrifice. He sent his son to intervene because there was a thing called sin that was separating us from him. Sin is a serious business. Sin is not something that we, you know, that has changed because uh, we're grown up now. Uh, like some people are saying about um, many of the, of the passages in the Bible that talk about things being an abomination to the Lord, being things that God is, that displease God. And they say, well, you know, that was because they didn't understand biology. They didn't understand psychology. They didn't understand the writers of the Bible didn't understand these things. So it's like God was too, was not smart enough to, um, to speak about life in the 21st century. He, 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 he didn't, he didn't understand neuroscience. And so we've got to change our definition of behaviors and, and stop thinking about right and wrong behavior. We must stop talking about sin because that's, you know, that offends people. Uh, at the same time, that uh, not offending people is actually condemning them to continue in a life that will continue to separate them from God. And is that loving? The answer is no. It is not loving to not discipline a child who is behaving in a way that will cause the destruction of their soul. That's really what the book of Proverbs is talking about. He that spares the rod of discipline, however you understand that, he who spares it hates his son. It is, he is actually condemning that child to a meaningless and purposeless and and uh, a life without without boundaries, um, which will lead ultimately to their destruction. Love drives out fear. Love causes us to do what is right. Love lays down its life 
for our brothers and sisters. Love is something that when it sees a brother or a sister in material need, does something, gives something to help that situation. Uh, and so there is intervention, there is action, and there is effect on the other end of it. The person feels better, experiences satisfaction of their hunger, uh, is warmed and fed and clothed, and, and, and their life uh, is hopefully changed toward being a better follower of Jesus, who is the only way, truth, and life, the only way to the Father. So, as we think about love in the horizontal, uh, rather in the vertical, let us also think about it in the, in the horizontal. If this love is real, it will be demonstrated by this love. And it will be demonstrated in all of these ways. In a way in which I reflect it, recognizing that I need to go get close to Jesus so that I can be a reflector of his love. So to drive this tent peg of love into my, my hope land, my little piece of this land called hope, is first of all to acknowledge that I need saving. I need to be saved from my sin. And God has made provision for that. And so to believe, to take hold of that salvation is the beginning of driving the tent peg into a land called hope, the hope of salvation. It is to understand that I'm not a source of light. We are not lights. We are reflectors of the light. We are not stars. We are planets. Uh, we're, we're, not the, we're not the sun. We're, at the best, we're a moon. Um, but uh, overall, it, we depend on him for whatever light. In his light, we see light and nowhere else. We, we need, thirdly, to receive the grace gift, receive the gift of eternal life, receive the gift of Jesus who carries all of this love toward us and who will do the changing that we require. We do it not because we have to. We do it because he causes us to want to. We do it in the same way that I described that morning after I made my commitment to God without even really knowing who he was. And that is that our hearts change and we go, wow, how did that happen? I know that that wasn't me and therefore I know that there is a God who loves me and wants the best for me. The, the other way we drive the tent peg into the ground is by knowing, affirming the difference between conviction and condemnation. It says there is no Fear in love, because fear has to do with judgment, and that judgment is ultimate condemnation, separation from God. If I know the love of God, there is no more fear of being ultimately separated from God. But that doesn't mean that God will not sometimes go, uh-uh, we're not doing that anymore. Christ in you is not going to do that, is not going to allow that to be your lifestyle, your habit. And so when those moments come, the right response is for us to say, thank you, Lord, search my heart, change me, let me become more and more like Jesus as he is. So I want to be in this world. And then reflect 
by letting him change my thinking as well as my behavior. And lastly, act for the well-being of others. That's a daily commitment. Every day when your feet hit the floor, when you move out, now that we're out of lockdown, when you move in the world, when you come across, whether it's a beggar or a friend, whether it's a person who has means but has no, no uh, conscience, whether it's a person who has uh, maybe no means, whatever person I'm interacting with, God has a purpose for that. He is saying, I want you to be Jesus. As he is, so are you in this world. I want you to love this person the way I would love them. If this was Nicodemus that I was meeting with, what, what would I say to him? I would say, no, 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 let's not get involved in a theological debate. You must be born again. That's loving Nicodemus, loving him into a place of enlightenment and, and, and repentance and renewal. Uh, and so every time, every person we meet, is an opportunity for us to love as Christ has loved us. The, the story is told of John the Apostle, from whose book we have read this morning. The story is told about the end of his life. When he couldn't walk anymore, he would be carried sometimes to church. And, um, and they carried him to church, uh, apparently this was around about the time that he was about to die. He was 103 years old. Um, they carried him to church and they said, and he said, I'm, I'm shortly going to be departing and going to be with the Lord. And they said, do you have any last words for us before you go? And he said, little children love one another. They said, yeah, you, you always say that. We, we know that that sermon of yours. We, we've we read your book. We know that this is what you believe. What else? What else? He said, little children love one another. And then he said it a third time, little children love one another. It is enough, for it is the Lord's command. That's all we need, is to live a life of love, to let this love that has been poured into our hearts reflect in the way we are, the way we think, the way we pray, the way we live, the way we treat other people. And so let's pray. Father, thank you for the fact that this love is not ours, it is yours. That we will never run out, Lord, because you never run out, because you are always there. You are the I am, the God who is love all the time in our hearts. And we want to ask that you would refresh us in that love, that you would cause us to come closer to you so that we may better reflect who you are in the world that we live in today and every day. We thank you. We welcome you. We worship you. And we rejoice in this, that because of this love, we have this hope that we are becoming more and more like Jesus. And so make us like that, Lord. Change me today. Change my heart. Change my life. Change my behavior. Change me from not caring to be a person who is passionately in love with your world in the same way that you are. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen.